Welcome to Chip Chat, an interview series that connects you with technology experts around the issues that industry is focused on today. And now your host, Allison Klein. Welcome to Chip Chat. My name is Allison Klein. Today, we're coming to you live from Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, and I have been joined by Lisa Spellman, Vice President and General Manager of Intel Xeon Products and Data Center Marketing. Welcome, Lisa. Welcome back. Thank you. It's exciting to be here. Lots of energy. You know, we've done many chip chats before, but this is the first time we've ever done one from the road, which is very exciting. (laughs) We're taking our show on the road. It's going to be great. So the conversation today is about data-centric computing. You have been doing a lot of talking about data-centric computing as you've been traveling around the world and talking to customers. Why don't you just start with a definition of what we mean by data-centric computing? I I will do that. And yes, I I have been out on the road a bit talking about this, but it's really oriented in kind of a customer-centric view about thinking of data as the ultimate customer challenge, whether you need to take advantage of that data, you need to access it, store it, utilize it, keep it secure, all of that. And as we started looking at it from that customer perspective of the challenge and opportunity that data represents, we pulled together a framework that we've been using to help guide our customers through the ways in which we see helping them address those challenges. And we've been talking about moving more of their data, helping them store more of their data, and how to process every bit of that data. And that's all towards an end goal of better business outcomes and value. And that's whether you're a cloud service provider, whether you're an enterprise, or whether you're a communication service provider driving this 5G revolution and all these network services. So... So we're at Mobile World Congress, so we're going to spend a little bit of time in the comm service provider space. But I think that one thing that I want to ask you about first is to be able to understand this from a macro level, you really do need to understand what you just said, which is how enterprises are using data and how they're leveraging the public cloud services, how they're leveraging service offerings from comm service providers. What is Intel's background when you take a look at it from a pan customer perspective? And how does that benefit our ability to drive the next wave of innovation for infrastructure? You know, one of the just massive trends across, doesn't matter, the customer base has been the cloudification of services. And again, whether you're a cloud service provider and enterprise or communication service provider, it's become pervasive and it's actually accelerating the creation of data, but also the utilization of it as well. And as more and more services move towards industry standard hardware and drive towards a virtualized, cloudified infrastructure, you start to see the efficiency and those capabilities come up. And we've invested over the last 10 plus years in building the silicon foundation to support that cloud and cloud native architecture and driving that through and with our customers. So doing not only the silicon work, but the software work to enable it and all of it built around really making more seamless service offerings. And one of the things that we're seeing is that that revolution that started on the cloud service provider and has built out from there of the cloud architecture is really coming to play in the communication service providers as well as they look at their next wave of services and how they're going to be able to deliver to customer expectations in a more cost-effective and efficient manner and take advantage of a lot more industry standard hardware and software offerings 
offerings. It represents a huge opportunity, but also a significant change to some of their existing business models. So it's an exciting time and you can feel it at the event, just the energy around this over the last couple years as this transition has been happening. When I think about the difference between a cloud service provider and a comm service provider. It's in the way they use infrastructure and the way that they place infrastructure. Cloud service providers, I imagine those multiple football field size data centers. (laughs) Comm service providers are deploying technology over geographical dimensions. Does that mean any difference in terms of the way that we work with them and the types of technologies they require from us? Well, it's true. They are driving different use cases. You know, you look at 5G becoming this convergence of computing and connectivity and communications all coming together. It's different than landing uh, enterprise workload in a, as you call it, football field size data center. But we're really working closely with the way that you connect what's happening at the edge all the way back to that core data center for the comm service providers. And we're putting what we'd call a very mini cloud right at the edge. So you've got servers on the network infrastructure that's out across the globe that can now handle a multitude of network function workloads and provide just a tremendous amount of efficiency for the comm service provider. But yeah, it's a much different environment when you even talk about things just like the ruggedization and the ability to reach so many endpoints that aren't sitting in one co-located area. You can't go put hands or eyes on every single piece of equipment. So you're thinking about it in much different terms, even though a lot of the architecture standards and the software standards are converging. It's a different look and feel to a network cloud, I would say, than a cloud service provider cloud. What you just said made me think about that it all comes back down to workload optimization. And we've had many conversations in the past about where do you place your workloads between an enterprise data center and the public cloud? Now it's becoming even more complex of like, where do you place workloads when you consider things like the edge of the network? Are there applications that are growing in that space um, because of new use cases? How do we look at that? I think it's actually a really exciting time. And when you look at the opportunity and artificial intelligence workloads and putting some of those closer to the edge, it represents a chance for much different business outcomes and then just personal consumer service outcomes. And I think We're all going to see more and more of that smart compute happening on the edge devices and a real, what I'll call, sorting of data about what really needs to go back to the cloud. And actually, a lot of this runs on Xeon, regardless of where that actual physical hardware sits. So there's a lot of edge that's running on Xeon as those network services converge and all the way back through to the core data center. But I think that AI at the edge and the work being done there will introduce new levels of efficiency in use cases like city management and traffic management, in industrial safety and health concerns, the things that you can do to make just fundamental dangerous work safer. And then also in just the space of entertainment and, like I said, the consumer services, there's a lot that's going to happen beyond just a, quote, quote, faster download speed that I think people will get excited about. When I think of what 5G is bringing, people often ask, what's the one killer use case? And I can think of so many technology revolutions that were not driven by a singular use case. It's this confluence of so many coming together at once that you don't realize you can't live without it until you just can't. Yeah. And I think what I take away from it as well is that when we saw the advent of the public cloud, people thought, oh, well, which workloads are going to move off of enterprise into the public cloud. And what really we saw was 
the creation of new classes of workloads because the public cloud existed. It seems like we're at that type of innovation point for developers, again, at this point, where new use cases are going to emerge because of the continuum of computing that we're creating. Yeah, you know, the drama about which ones will move where. And of course, there is some transformation there, but those are all growing businesses. So it was really which use case or which architecture is going to grow the workload the fastest. And you see it across all of our lines of business continuing to grow because as we've demonstrated time after time through major technology transitions, whether it's virtualization or full-on cloud-native infrastructure or this 5G evolution, every time you add the ability to move, store, or process more, people come up with demand to move, store, or process more. So it's not just that you fulfill existing demand more efficiently. It's that that lowering of the cost of compute delivers the opportunity to do even more compute. And that's why you see AI use cases taking off like crazy, because they can actually be satisfied even at their pretty high data intensity. So I'm glad that you brought up AI, because this gets us back to all of that data. What is Intel's strategy for ensuring that that underlying Xeon platform is optimized to run these new applications that are using artificial intelligence? And how does that influence what we do from a workload optimization standpoint? You know, we've invested a lot, obviously, in Xeon over the last 20 years as it's expanded the workloads that it's able to address from all core enterprise workloads to the virtualization functions, artificial intelligence, the network functions that it now addresses, storage use cases. But one of the things that we don't talk as much about is how much software work we've done as well. So it's one thing to put something into silicon, but you really need to work with the industry to move it forward. You know, Intel has 10,000 plus software engineers driving with the ecosystem and all of the ISVs, those types of pull through, as we call it. So you put some in silicon and you get it turned on in the ISVs. In addition, over the past couple of years, we've really doubled down on, in the AI space, the framework optimizations mm -hmm. that we're doing, some of the translation layers for Xeon, delivering a better out-of-box experience, and then also some new open source offerings ourselves, like OpenVINO, which is targeted towards edge use cases running on Xeon, or actually even other parts of our silicon portfolio. So while Xeon's the main line, if you will, we have a lot of other capabilities in our portfolio, whether it's some of the Movidius products at the edge for visual compute or FPGAs, our upcoming Nirvana products that are really built specifically for AI workloads. They're not custom for one customer, but they are not general purpose. They're pretty specific use case. So around all of those, we're surrounding it with a deep and wide software investment so that our customers can actually get to value right out of the box. 2018 was a fantastic year for Intel from a standpoint of data center. We're in the first quarter of 2019. We're almost through it. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> What are you excited about in 2019 as you talk to customers about what they're planning to do with our technology? You know, we're coming up. We've got our next generation Xeon Scalable shipping for revenue now, and we're going to be bringing that broadly to the market shortly. And I'm really excited about that product and what it's going to turn on for our customers. Again, not to keep beating on it, but in the artificial intelligence space, we've put some new acceleration technologies in there called DL Boost for inference, and we're already seeing some 
some pretty fantastic results that our customers are responding to. And I think we have a lot of good stuff coming in this space on the network side that I'm excited to talk to people about in a couple of weeks as well that just, again, show how many of these workloads we have optimization and the software work done for so that all of our customers can be confident about setting their standard Xeon as their infrastructure baseline and really getting good performance and good capabilities out of it. So I think we're going to see a lot this year in the AI space and in the 5G space too. Fantastic. Well, Lisa, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. If folks online are listening and want to stay in contact with you, where would you send them? Well, I'm out on Twitter and I try to stay reasonably active, but you can find me at the at Lisa Spellman handle and I'd love to have your follow and feel free to comment on everything. I get back to just as much as I possibly can. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Visit ChipChat online at intel.com slash chipchat. And for more information on data center technologies, visit intel.com slash bigdata, intel.com slash cloud, and intel.com slash data center optimization. 